Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. That's why Johnny's got to stay muted. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we give you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Handsome Johnny Crypto, Mario, also known as the Node Defenders, joining us. And we got Jackie, the crypto juggernaut here on this Thursday. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Volante, one of the world's largest asset managers, has confirmed the launch of XRP and RippleNet products, fully leveraging the capabilities of this new network. FTX is set to be relaunching their exchange this fall as XLM could soon be leveraged in a global currency project, bringing us one step closer to a level playing field. Ethereum's co-founders fired back at Gary Gensler for the notion of Ethereum being a security, as former SEC chair Jay Clayton has had enough of SEC's regulatory overreach, now going on CNBC to make some bold statements. And with governments around the world adopting crypto before our eyes, we break down the details, showing our community how America is finally pushing back against unjust crypto regulation. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, there's a lot of big news to get into today. But before we do, how you feeling, my friend? Thanks for being here. Uh, Abs, I'm feeling great, doing well. And it's great to see Jackie and and Mario here as well. Hopefully everybody's doing good. I just want to say good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. And can't wait to hop into it. It's going to be a little short one for me today. I've got to run soon, but uh, we'll do the best we can. And uh, let's have fun. Let's rock and roll. we got the Node Defender joining us as well. Mario, thanks for making time for us. We're going to start this thing pretty quick. So how are you feeling? Thanks for being here. Feeling awesome, dude. I'm super excited to be here. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to everyone in the chat. Since you want to get this started quick, let's do it. Absolutely. And we got the crypto juggernaut Jackie joining us as well. Jackie, how are you feeling this morning? And what's on your mind? Feeling great, Abs. Happy to be here. I love Thursdays. Get to see my family. Um, yeah, good to be here. Love the comments in the chat, guys. Let's get it rolling. Awesome, guys. And with that being said, we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by showing you the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter at 4,600 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin fear and greed index is in neutral this morning, sitting at a 54. But when we look at some of the daily movers, Comp Token is up about 23%, FTT up about 16%, and Solana up about 6% of the day. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.18 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is holding that 50% dominance here, sitting at about 50%. Ethereum, 19% this morning. Bitcoin is sitting at 30,500. Ethereum, 1,800. XRP is 47 cents. Cardano is 27. And you can see Solana getting a massive green candle this morning, but still at $17. And Johnny, I want to get right into our content because I know you're short on time. So let's get this thing rocking and rolling. Jay Clayton took the time to call out Gary Gensler's regulation by enforcement yesterday on CNBC. But I want to show you two clips that correspond to each other. So first, we got 167 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this clip of Gary Gensler before you see Jay Clayton. Willing to litigate. This, this agency has to be willing to go into court mm -hmm. and, you know, take some losses from time to time. When you have the power of the state and you're, you're supposed to only bring cases and only make rules that you think are going to pass judicial muster. 
completely contradictory statements, Johnny. And we are going to play a longer video of his CNBC clip, but I just want to give you your statements before we do. What do you think's really going on here? I mean, Jay Clayton's the man who's responsible for bringing the Ripple lawsuit against us in the first place, right? So for him to change his stance completely, we showed a video last week. He said that crypto adoption actually is long overdue. So what do you think's really going on here? Why is Jay Clayton changing his stance on crypto and even, fi even fire to Gary Gensler? Well, it's an interesting thing because Clayton was in there all his time and you didn't see him going after and choking out all these different players, Abs, like you see happening right now with Gary. So I think, I don't think Clayton has changed his stance. I think Clayton wouldn't have been as aggressive in the, in the ways that Gensler is being. And I think that's the difference. I mean, you heard what he said. Gary's like, well, we ain't, and we ain't losing enough cases. We ain't suing enough people. And, and, and Clayton's saying, no, 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 that's not how you do it. You go after the ones that make sense, but you don't go after everybody, you know, but, uh, but he's gone in it, you know, complete, but we know that, you know, they both were, here's the thing you have to remember about both of them. And I'll leave it with this. They had two different administrations above them. So it's two totally different uh, approaches. And you can clearly see what the approach was under one administration when Clayton was running it versus the approach today under Gensler's administration. And so the question I've been saying and saying is important in 2024, if we get a new administration, what's that going to look like? If we don't get a new administration, well, it's going to be interesting because now is it going to be a continuation of what we're seeing? Or are the big boys finally in place where the administration is going to say, okay, let's remove Operation Choke Point, and then you see a different Gary Gensler. Last follow-up question I have here, Johnny. Do you think that he agrees with Gary Gensler following suit here? One key detail about Jay Clayton, guys. Not only did he file the lawsuit against Ripple in December of 2020, he exited the SEC six months early. So he filed that lawsuit, left four or five days later, and that was six months before he was set to resign from the SEC. So I think it's fair to say some, there's some sketchy behavior going on here. But I do want to hear from Mario and Jackie as well. But first, here's Jay Clayton firing back at Gary Gensler for his regulatory overreach. Let's take this to a, you know, a very high level on the regulatory side. What you're hearing from the leaders of the regulatory organizations is if we're not losing cases, if we're not being pushed back on by the courts, we're not doing enough. That, think about that for a second. That is a fundamental shift in how we as Americans view the role of the government. So, so I'll the remainder of that, but just think about that, Johnny. The way the SEC is thinking right now is they're not doing their job unless they're overreaching in the courts. That's an exact contradiction from what they're supposed to be doing. What do you think about Jay Clayton here? And then we'll hear from Jackie and Mario. Well, I mean, that's just it. There's the difference in philosophy right there. I mean, he just, he just summed it up for you. And basically th their approach is, you, you know, this is regulation by enforcement. That's not the way it's meant to be done. But that's the way that it's happening right now. And so you would only hope that over time, either Congress makes some more rules so that the regulation is more clear and then they can't just, you know, go after everybody. Or we're going to kind of be sitting in this realm of picking winners and losers abs until some kind of clarification happens or until something, you know, a change at the top, one or the other. Mario, what do you think is going on here with Jay Clayton? Obviously, he's the one responsible for bringing the Ripple lawsuit. Do you think there's going to be a day when we see guys like Jay Clayton actually come out in support of Ripple, stating that none of this should have happened in the first place? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, we've seen time and time again, these these people just change their mind on so many different opinions. So it definitely wouldn't surprise me. But it's very fishy, obviously. And, and it's been discussed ever since it happened with him dropping the lawsuit for five days. He's out. So definitely something fishy there. And and we will see eventually what, what, what it comes down to. I mean, time will give us the answers uh, 100%. And so the moment that things turn around, it wouldn't surprise me to all of a sudden start to see people like Jake Layton and, and even Gary Gensler just completely change their opinion because it will align with the narrative. And the narrative now is that they have to do this uh, enforcement. Um, and eventually the narrative is going to change because news out of the UK come out today that they signed a pretty big law. So I don't know if you're going to cover that more, more ahead in the episode, but you know, narratives, narratives will change and the rest of the world is showing us which direction this industry is going. And the U S looks like it's falling behind, but I, continue to say that I don't think they are. They're just playing dumb. Absolutely, Mario. And with that being said, here's the remainder of this clip. About that for a second. That is a fundamental shift in how 
we as Americans view the role of the government. I, I don't want to be in a place where I know the government is going to bring cases they think they're going to lose. Imagine you're the person who is the subject of that case. Just now, we're talking about they, corporations. Yeah, but see if they can. And if, if they're not stopped, they're going to, yeah. Right, but this is an ethos now, which is yeah. unless we're losing, we're not bringing enough cases, you know, that may be fine for private litigants against each other and, and think about it. But when you have the power of the state, and you're, you, you're supposed to only bring cases and only make rules that you think are going to pass judicial muster. I'm sorry to keep coming back to this, Jackie, but I got to say, this is the guy who sued Ripple. So you can use his own words against him here. Did he think he had a legal precedent to do so? Obviously, the SEC doesn't have rules from Congress saying they can regulate crypto, but Jay Clayton took that initiative. So can we use his own words against him here? You know, that was kind of the comment that I wanted to make, and it, it popped into my head after Johnny said law by enforcement. You know, we it's so sad how... Um, our country's gone from, you know, and it, I feel like, I feel like crypto, the crypto space is kind of a small, uh, reflection of what happened to the entire U S right. Like we were formed on the foundations of freedom and, and, you know, we're going to work together to form laws and things like that. Now, all of a sudden we're seeing this shift and change where, where our government is forcing laws upon our people when, you know, back in the beginning, we were the ones who were supposed to vote. We were the ones who were supposed to agree on these things and pass it up, you know, pass it up to them. Now it's an enforcement. It's backwards. So it's just, it's interesting, like taking a macro view on that and then also kind of seeing how this thing is playing out with crypto as well. It's, it's the same thing. It's kind of, I mean, it's disheartening, but it's, it's completely backwards and we all know that, but it's, I don't know, just for him, I, yeah, I'm going out on a limb and saying Clayton's kind of, yeah, it's a little it's a little funny saying, no, we should be getting um, pushback on all the cases that we're throwing out there. You shouldn't be, you know, trying to enforce so much. Um, I mean, yes, we need regulation, but just to throw things out there and, and getting pushback and laws left and right or whatever. I just I don't know. It's just kind of silly. You make a great point, Jackie. And one of our listeners commented, guys, give it up. Fed now is not going to be using XRP. They're going live this month, but look at this. We've got some different information here. And Johnny, I'm going to put you in the corner of the screen while I highlight this because this is super interesting. Volante enables XRP integration on its platform as Ripple and Ripple Partnership expands. Volante, a partner of Ripple, will allow customers to utilize XRP on its platform, leveraging the connectivity of the RippleNet network. Now, the reason this Volante news is so important is because Volante is set to be running with FedNow here. Ripple partner and FedNow service provider Volante says that customers can use XRP on its platform since it's connected to Ripple and Volante selected for the U.S. FedWire service provider in the cloud. So here's the real question, Johnny. Obviously, RippleNet is built to be integrated with the FedNow system. They worked with some of the founders at Ripple to create this product. Do you think there'll be a day where XRP could be leveraged within the FedNow system? I mean, there certainly can be that option. I think the thing to, to always be cautious of is just because a company is a partner with somebody or they're partnered and they're working on a technology doesn't mean that their technology is going to be implemented in every other partnership they have. So just because Ripple's working with Volante doesn't mean by the, and Volante is working with FedNow, it doesn't necessarily mean that XRP is being used by FedNow. That's, that's a, that's a conclusion we're jumping to because we haven't seen any, the, the companies haven't come out and announced it. So that's just a caution that I would give everybody is not to get overexcited about that. But um, but it certainly, as you asked the question, it certainly does give it a better probability, you know, for that to happen, because if a partner of some company is working together with another company, you're usually keen on pushing the technologies you're working with or you're aware with. So, yes, I would say there's a higher probability uh, for that to happen. So I know, like somebody said in the in the uh, in the chat there, you know, it's a pipe dream or whatever. Or, you know, but the reality is, could that happen somewhere down the road? Sure, possibly. I think as the system continues to move forward, they'll see what kind of improvements they can make to it. And maybe XRP adding that to it is one of them. Who knows? And we're going to provide some technical details as well. But this is actually the CEO of Volante explaining how Ripple can be leveraged and how it enhances their products. Premium on reducing the cost of doing payment processing. And that's something that payments in the service at, as a service in the cloud happens to be particularly good at, is helping banks reduce the cost of their infrastructure so they can use those funds for, for other things, uh, like, for example, uh, providing more value-added services. And that's really the other side of it. Um, it's not just about cost reduction. 
It's also about the fact that banks today have to deal with a lot more different kinds of payment types, real-time payments, new cross-border settlement methods like Ripple and GPI. And on the front end, they've got to deal with open banking, APIs, uh, and really becoming value-added service providers. Let's take into account. So obviously he name-dropped Ripple there, and one of their prominent products, Jackie, is RippleNet. So if someone's going to be leveraging RippleNet, the most compatible currency they would use is XRP. You can make the analogy, are they going to use the best currency? It's yet to be seen, but I think it's safe to make the assumption. Does this add to your confidence here? The Volante CEO talking about how Ripple enhances their product and how they're using FedNow. Yeah, I think any time that um, Ripple and XRP are name dropped um, with any type of financial infrastructure, um, whether they're going to be used in the future or not, I think it's a positive, right? Um, if, if they're a big enough player in the game and they're name dropping companies like Ripple, um, that obviously guarantees that Ripple is a, a horse in the race, as Johnny always says. So um, it always it always perks my interest. I still get excited. I mean, I know we've gone <laughs> he's over there riding horse. I know we've gone like over so many companies that have talked about Ripple or talked about uh, their technology that they're using. Um, and so some of that kind of gets old news to people. But for me, it kind of still has a like I just I perk up, you know, obviously we're we're a huge advocate of Ripple and um, XRP here within the academy. And so, yeah, it never gets old to me. So I think it's always a positive. And Johnny, one of the things that we were debating on our show is, is the lawsuit going to need to end before they start leveraging RippleNet with the FedNow system? This appears to be the answer, and the answer is absolutely not. Volante, a RippleNet partner, will allow its customers to utilize XRP on its platform as well as RippleNet products. The integration of XRP provides Volante customers with access to Ripple's digital assets and the benefits of its fast and cost-effective transactions. There's something else that's even more important, so I'm going to scroll down here and read a couple more sentences. Ripple's Volante strengthens its position by providing innovative, streamlined financial services to its customers. In addition, with the XRP integration, Volante has achieved another significant milestone by being selected as a service provider for the U.S. FedNow in the cloud. Volante's selection as a service provider for FedNow service demonstrates the company's commitment to delivering secure and resilient financial services. With the integration of XRP and Volante's new role as a service provider for the FedWire system, the company strengthens its position as a leading player in financial technology. There's zero debate going on here, and I want to hear from Johnny and then Mario. We're watching this play out before our eyes. The lawsuit is ongoing, but the biggest companies on the planet are already leveraging Ripple. Bank of America stated they're going to use this technology when the lawsuit's over. I'm getting excited, man. What are you feeling? Well, like I said yesterday or two days ago, I didn't think we would get a ruling before Fed now goes on the play. I still don't think we're going to. I don't know when we're going to get a rule. Maybe somewhere in July, but I don't. I don't. I. It's not necessary. I don't think because I described that using it. You know, secondary sales like we do versus them using a technology. There's slightly different use case there. I don't think it really applies. So nonetheless, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out, Abs. But it is certainly exciting that there are big, big ties here. It's very, very important. And as I said earlier, I think because of those ties and connections, it's a possibility that you you will start to see Ripple now starting to, or, or their technology, XRP, being used and adopted. As Mario said, maybe there's stuff happening behind the scenes here that we're not hearing about um, with the U.S. maybe. So maybe the U.S. is moving forward in certain areas and you're not you're not hearing about it, but we're going to find out later. Sorry, guys, I got stuck in the opposite screen. Mario, I do want to hear what it means to you. Yesterday, we covered a very important article where Quant Network has confirmed to be working with the Bank of England on international settlements. They're also working with the Bank of International Settlements. So Ripple's working with them. Quant Network's working with them. What does it mean to you, all this information? Yeah, the ties are all there. And I think that the one important thing is, especially in the U.S., I, I am personally not expecting any kind of big news to come out until while this lawsuit is, is happening. Um, I think that because of the uncertainty and because of, you know, whether uh, the ruling is going to cripple Ripple and, you know, no pun intended, that kind of sounded funny, but um, I don't think it will happen. I mean, Ripple's got a lot of money in the bank. They, they can certainly fight this. If there's a crypto company that could fight the SEC, Ripple is the one. And now that we've got Coinbase, we've got Binance, hopefully they all come together and fight this. But what I was trying to get to is that I don't think any significant news is going to come out of the United States as far as partnerships or anything. But it, at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if, it, if it's being worked in the background. The ties are there. 
there's connections to the Bank of England, there's connections to um, so many other countries around the world. And the United States will not get left behind um, 100%. I, I don't believe that they are deliberately getting left behind. I believe that there's a, a bigger plan, a bigger agenda, a different agenda that obviously they don't want the public to know. And in the meantime, people just get distracted with the lawsuit and and the litigation that's happening with with all the crypto companies. But I think the, the, the future is definitely bullish for crypto. And it's just a matter of time until the narrative starts to change in the United States. Absolutely. And we're about to show a video of Monica Long, one of the presidents at Ripple, discussing how the massive integration of digital assets started in 2015, but it's coming to fruition as we speak. It's really interesting to look backward. We started this journey of working with financial institutions in 2015. We would walk into banks. The original pitch was this idea of you can create an account on a public blockchain called XRP Ledger. It has a built-in decentralized exchange. This would be a very efficient way for you to conduct cross-border payments, provide you a lot more transparency. This was right after Mt. Gox collapse mm. and Silk Road bust. You could guess that the banks generally slammed the doors in our faces. The timing was off. Since then, over the years, crypto is a market expanded a lot. There's been a much warmer embrace across the institutional world. The past couple of years have been a real tipping point for mm. institutional DeFi, where you see even the biggest banks embracing this technology as the future and they have to adapt or die. Mario, I think that plays perfectly into what you mentioned. Yesterday, the UK passed new crypto litigation, kind of giving a green light for crypto adoption. Maybe you can elaborate on that here and I'll pull up an article in the background. Yeah. So the, the headline that came out this morning is that it's been signed by the king. And basically, it's a bill that will recognize crypto as a regulated financial activity in the country. So, I mean, that's huge. Why would the UK be even putting this in, in the king's desk, right, for, for a signature? It, it's We know that, as, as I said before, the ties are there. Crypto, I mean, why would banks or any kind of financial institution not be interested in a technology that could essentially make their life so much easier and remove that friction, you know, make lower the fees? increase the speed. It all makes sense. There's no other technology out there that can at this at this moment in time facilitate this you know like like blockchain can and whether it whether it's Ripple and and all its products that are being developed using XRP and the XRPL or you know Quant with the Interledger uh, program and or whether it's Stellar there's going to be, in my opinion, there's going to be a, a, a blockchain or a cryptocurrency that is going to be used for this type of to this type of system. It's it just makes sense. And if you look at all these news and all these ties that are happening, they can't be for for just no reason at all. One of the most important things that came out during the him and email release, Mario, was that there was a gray area when it came to the launching of tokens in the United States. Well, Ethereum's founders promoted Ethereum as the safest place to launch your crypto products. And I believe it was yesterday, the Bearable Bull had an interview with one of the founders of Ripple, Craig DeWitt, saying that Ethereum's business approach earlier on was that they were the place to launch your token. So we're going to play this short clip and go back to the group. Here we go. The business approach of Ethereum early on was, hey, we're, we're the place where you go to do an ICO. Uh, you, you might remember that. It was yeah. like really like Ethereum marketing was come over here, launch your coin, make a billion dollars, make a million dollars quick. Yeah. It was like it was the initial thing was like, hey, it's an ICO platform. They were very successful at that. Ripple had those capabilities, had those capabilities um, to, to create a platform that allowed that. XRPL also has those capabilities via um, the IOU or DEX type technology. And they made a very clear decision. Listen, like, we don't think that that's, you know, we don't think that that makes sense. They didn't market that. Jackie, what do you think is really going on here? Obviously, Ethereum was given a free pass, but we're going to show our, our listeners a video of Joseph Lubin. I, I play this video and then get your response, Jackie. Here we go almost out of time, just in terms of what you would say to regulators that are trying to say that Ethereum is a security and should be treated as such? Um, well, regulators have spoken. The SEC has spoken. Uh, Bill Hinman uh, made a speech, I think it was in mid-2018. It, it was disclosed that uh, I think 18 of his colleagues at the SEC worked on the speech with him. So the SEC actually spoke. The CFTC has spoken very crisply, uh, these are U.S. agencies, very crisply a number of times that, that they consider Ether a commodity and not a security. And so it, it's really um, a foregone conclusion at this point. Uh, there may be a regulator or two in the United States that can't bring himself to utter the fact that, uh, that Ether is not a security, but uh, I don't know why that's the case. And, and ultimately that 
just doesn't matter. That's the most important line right there. A couple of things he referenced. He said, William Hinman already created litigation back in 2018. And as you can see, here's the list of all my friends that helped them do so. But the second thing that he said, which is so important, is he said, Gary Gensler's opinions don't matter. And what he's referring to there is Congress sets the laws. Gary enforces them. If he has an opinion, he can keep it to itself. But Johnny, let's hear from you and then Jackie. <laughs> yeah, wasn't he the guy that bought a bunch of ETH like back in, in 2014 or something? Lubin, didn't he buy it all? So he had, a, yeah, he had a big, big incentive. Yeah, so, so the stats there, Johnny, are back in 2014, Ethereum's ICO, Joseph Lubin purchased 95% of the available tokens for $18 million at 31 cents a piece. So that's a very rich man right there. Yeah, he's a very rich man and has a lot of incentive to not want to see Ethereum be called the security, right? Abs, and we certainly know that somehow, you know, or maybe he was involved, who knows? We know he was involved. Hinman, they actually reached out to him and asked his opinion. Did he actually reach out to Lou? Think about that. He went to Lubin, the guy who bought it, to ask him his opinion of whether it's a security. I mean, can you see the Another person I got to point out, Johnny, because I know you're going to get defensive here. Charles Hoskinson is on this list. So what is he trying to say in this document? Charles Hoskinson communicated with the SEC. I think that's kind of what he's referring to. Now, documents come out about that, but we could be onto something. What's it mean to you as an well, Ethereum? This is, why I love, this is why I love Cardano, because I know Charles was, Charles was one of the founding followers or part of the Ethereum network when they started it. And, and obviously, one of the things that when he left there, he left there because he knew Ethereum had some problems that needed to be fixed. And that's kind of what he did with Cardano, was started Cardano to kind of fix the problems that they had learned. You know, when you design to build something, you know, for everybody who's not technical, I'm going to give you a little thing. When you design something, you don't know what problems you're going to have until you design it, you build it, and you're working with it. You're like, oh, shit, didn't see that, didn't see that. And so now you're like, but you're too far down the road. You designed it. You got all this, you know, code and all this thing built into it. You poured the foundation, and then you realize, oh, shit, we got a problem. You can't pour a new foundation or tear that one down. So what did you do? He left, and he started a new foundation kind of addressing and fixing those problems. And that's why I've been kind of high on Cardano because you have a better chance of fixing a problem when you're starting from scratch, going into it, knowing what the problem is versus starting with nothing. So that again, that's why I like the technology and everybody thinks I love Charles Hoxton. No, I'm not married to any of this. I just like the fact that they're addressing a problem and there's no better person to address the problem than the guy who was there when the problem was created. Spot on, Johnny and Jackie. We got 343 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got a bunch of great stuff to get into, but what's on your mind, Jackie? You know, I actually wanted to make a comment on the first video. Abs, um, Craig DeWitt said something interesting. He said XRP, um, XRP Ledger had the same technology that Ethereum had, um, that a lot of these layer one blockchains had to ICO tokens, right? And I, you know, I'd never thought about that. Why, why did they not play that game um, that a lot of other layer one blockchains played? You know, Cardano did the same thing. They've done ICOs on their, on their blockchain and things like that. So I actually kind of want to ask the group, why do you think that is? I think that that was actually a smart move on their part as far as, you know, regulation, clarity and things like that go. I mean, they're already under the scope, right? So if they would have done that early on, um, you know, that might've, that might've even been worse for their case, but I, I'm curious what you guys think of that. Jackie, I definitely have a response. One of the things I think we're seeing right now is people who are Bitcoin and Ethereum, I guess you would say maximalists are slowly shifting towards XRP. And the one narrative that continues to come up is the decentralization narrative. This video is a perfect response to what you just said. XRP always had an advantage besides the free pass the SEC gave Ethereum. Right, the XRP ledger was very late because it is decentralized. A lot of people don't know this, but it is decentralized. So the nodes had to vote for it to go live, and it went live like literally right during the bear, right after the, the XRP ledger was very late because it is decentralized. A lot of people don't know this, but it is decentralized. So the nodes had to vote for it to go live, and it went live like literally right during the bear, right after the crash at probably the worst possible time. So people haven't really heard about it yet. And there's not a lot going on in the ecosystem. It's to me, it's brand new compared to everybody else. And I wanted to just like be first and, and test it out. And so far it's been a really great experience. You know, I've I've obviously been in NFTs a while. I've bought and sold NFTs on different blockchains. And what I like about the ledger is it's it's fast and there's not very high fees. 
that was one thing I hated with the Ethereum NFTs. When everyone was trying to buy them, I'd have to pay a hundred dollar gas fee, sometimes five hundred dollar gas fee. It was it just got like so crazy for me. But what happens? This is what happens, Johnny Crypto. When the Ethereum and Bitcoin maximalists do their research, they found the XRP ledger, and what did she say? Lower fees, much faster. But this has been the case since day one. So why do you think Bitcoin and Ethereum maximalists are now changing their stance? Well, I mean, I guess you know. <laughs> With anything, if you put some time and effort or research into it, you start realizing. But you have to understand, Bitcoin and Ethereum, those are like the big one and two. And they've been the out there the longest. And, and you know, there is certain thing of called the first mover advantage. When you're out there, people get familiar with you. They like you. And people don't like change. So you become familiar with something, you like it. Then when you start realizing this thing is costing you a shit ton of money, you start looking for alternatives. And that's when you start to see like, oh. There's this other thing out here. Oh, there's this other thing. Oh, this is much better. And I think that's kind of the conclusion people are starting to come to when you start. She's right. I remember during the bull run, you know, when we were starting, we were buying some NFTs, like, holy shit, you were paying more for the gas fee than you were for the Jackie. Like, hey, get the Lucky Lions or whatever the heck the name of those things were called. You know, you go and you buy an NFT and you were paying more for the fee, the gas, than you actually paid for the freaking stupid NFT to start with. So that's when people realize like, oh my God, this has got to change. And, you know, you started seeing layer twos like Matic come out and other things to reduce the cost and kind of, and, and you know, to, in the second layer to be able to reduce those costs and make something like Ethereum be more effective and more usable because otherwise it could not compete with something like XRP or the lower cost proof of stake blockchains. Spot on, Johnny Crypto. We got 354 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And look at this update here. $27 trillion is sitting on the sidelines and getting ready to enter the crypto market. And everyone's discussing a Bitcoin ETF. Well, we just got news from one of our listeners that the first Bitcoin ETF may have been approved as the SEC approved Bitcoin ETF EDX list Bitcoin cash for institutional purchases. That's actually great news for Bitcoin cash. But here's the video I wanted to show our listeners, Johnny. We had a very, very mainstream news article go live yesterday where they were talking about the adoption of Bitcoin starting through BlackRock, but going into every financial sector we see today. This is that amazing clip. Here we go. What does it mean now for Fidelity to also be entering the scene? We haven't seen one from every major ETF company, but this certainly seems like the direction of travel is more institutional. There's definitely been a wave of filings following BlackRock's, I think we've been calling it shock filing or shock application, which was really important for crypto fans and for the crypto industry in general, given the stature that BlackRock holds on Wall Street and elsewhere, where maybe you had some analysts potentially saying that BlackRock might know something that others might not know or be aware of, where they might be more certain that they could get approval from regulators, which obviously we've not seen in the past. And we're not seeing that approval yet, but we are seeing other assets tied to futures start to come to market. Just one starting to trade today that you've written about. The trading has been a bit volatile. What is the reception for futures ETFs when people are... Get about futures ETFs, Johnny. We covered a very relevant article yesterday. Kathy Moon's company is actually ahead of BlackRock when it comes to getting an ETF. So we're going to see a series of companies get approved. We could see Fidelity, BlackRock, and ARK Invest with Kathy Wood all get approved for Bitcoin ETFs. How big of an impact do you think that's going to have on the Bitcoin price? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's going to be... That's, that's the golden ticket. That's going to be... You know, you should see. I would expect a big move because obviously that's going to result in a, a, a purchase, a large amount of supply uh, getting sucked up in demand. So that should theoretically drive the price up abs dramatically. And I guess we'll have to see how high, but I don't think Kathy Woods or anybody else is getting those first. I'll be so, I've been lying. I'm getting first. I have a feeling BlackRock's going to get those first. We'll find out and see, but I do believe that there is excitement for exactly what the, what the lady there said was that, you know, maybe BlackRock knows something or more importantly, their prestige in the marketplace. And, you know, they certainly have the guns to go into the SEC and be like, hey, here's everything you need. Boom. Hey, well, you want more here? Boom. You need more? No problem. We got $10 trillion out of it. Boom. We'll just keep giving you what you need until you prove this freaking thing. And they ain't giving up. So I think I think it's only a matter of time now when we actually see this thing. And I think that certainly will drive the price up. I'd be I'd be highly disappointed. If we get an approved Bitcoin ETF and the price doesn't move dramatically, I'd be shocked. 
And Mario, remember what happened with gold when they got their ETF approved? The price went from $400 to just below $2,000. So if we if we compared it to what Bitcoin is right now, $30,000 would take us to about 120000 I really don't think that's unrealistic for the end of 2025. If we're talking about peak bull run prices, what do you think could be the impact of a Bitcoin ETF? I think the impact will definitely be positive as far as, um, you know, the price being impacted right away. That's something that... A, I have my doubts on, you know, let's, let's say Bitcoin ETF gets approved tomorrow. Will we see Bitcoin run a little bit? I think so. But because of the state of the market and us being in this sort of bear market, I feel like we may not see the appreciation that a lot of people are thinking. So I, I am definitely more along the lines of it's going to be bullish. And over the course of the next few months and into 2024, 2025, we will see the price appreciation, which we know that the charts tend to align perfectly with the news. And so as the charts have been telling us that when there's a halving, there's there's a, a, a Bitcoin or a crypto bull run, then I think it would play out perfect. And um, and so, you know, it show me the charts. I'll tell you the news and, and that will play perfect into that narrative. Spot on, Mario. We're about, to get into this. We're about to get into this very interesting article, guys. Elon Musk and Stellar XLM undeniably have some connections here. But Johnny, to close us out on our Bitcoin conversation, we got to understand that when these ETFs are launched, they're mostly Bitcoin, but they're not all Bitcoin. So what impact do you think it could have on the rest of the market? Put Bitcoin to the side. Could this cause altcoins to rise as well? Well, I certainly think it's a great question. Okay. And nobody has the answer, by the way. So anybody who tells you they know they don't, they're lying. But here's what I'm, I'm my my theory or my thinking is: when you bring attention to something, and you bring, you know, like a, a Bitcoin ETF will bring instant credibility to Bitcoin. It'll waken the crypto market back up again. Everybody will start. Abs, do you remember at the peak of the bull run 2021? Everybody was starting to talk about, like even my mom, my grandma, everyone was talking about Bitcoin because they were hearing it on TV. Okay. The same thing will happen again. I think you'll start hearing news everywhere. People will start hearing it, and it'll be a rejuvenation of energy around the crypto space, primarily Bitcoin. But yes, do I think some of that money and excitement will flood into altcoins? I do. I personally think we will. Will it be like a bull run? Well, no, probably not unless we're in the bull run. And as Mario said below before, the news usually tends to, to align perfectly with the charts. So will they... Wait until we get closer to the halving to approve this. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe it's another six months before we get an approval. And then you'll see the stars and the moon, everything lining up perfectly. You know, XRP lawsuit done, Bitcoin ATF done, halving coming. If all that stuff lines up together, oh, baby, take that seatbelt, put that so bitch on. We're going to be going, we're going to be flying high. And there he is, the Teflon Don of crypto, Jed McCaleb. Let's get right into this, guys. Elon Musk and Stellar have had many connections over the years, but never direct like this. Jed McCaleb, the founder of Stellar and the co-founder of Ripple, has a new company called Vast. Vast is partnered with SpaceX to launch the first private space station no earlier than August 25, a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. Johnny Crypto, the reason this is so important is remember the video we showed yesterday of Elon Musk discussing how X tokens are the future. Well, we got some pretty interesting news here as well. The partnership between SpaceX and Vast has been going on for years, but it's finally going live in a couple of months with full launch by 2025. These are not even rumors, Johnny. These are going into effect in the next couple of years. How important is this partnership between Jed McCaleb and Elon Musk? Again, you know, it, it's one of those things where these are critical partnerships and adoption opportunities that you see happening here. And, you know, no surprise that that. You know, Elon's hooking himself to anything with an X in it. He actually has an X fascination. But, uh, you know, I certainly think that it bodes well for Stellar and that foundation and for that technology to start getting adoption. Because really, other than the MoneyGram news, you really haven't heard much about Stellar. You know, but I think there's a lot. And I said this yesterday. I think there's a lot of things happening quietly behind the background, which is why you don't hear nothing that... Um, that gets exciting. I mean, to me, this is a really, really crucial, critical part. Yeah, massive. I agree with this man, John, here. It's certainly a massive partnership here that's happening, and it's great news for them. And it's probably going to now, things like this will create more momentum for them to build more. And we did see a big price appreciation in Stellar. I think it was as low as seven or eight cents and got up to 11 the other day. It was up like 40% or something. Yeah, there you go. So you can see that there's, a, there's some stuff happening here, but God, it's still 
underpriced from two years ago or three years ago where we're sitting around 20 or 30 cents. So it's a great opportunity to, to DCA in, in this range while it's still here. Not financial advice, not financial advisor. You need to do your own homework, but certainly feels like an opportunity to me, Abs, before, you know, any, and before more partnerships get announced. John Mario, I got to get your thoughts on this. We talked about how XRP was built for the liquidity between central bank digital currencies. XLM is already in the process of launching CBDCs in Ukraine. When we look at their partnerships, tokenization is going to be key. We're going to see the tokenization of stocks, bonds, and real estate possibly happening on XLM. So the question I have for you is with all of this news, XLM's managed to skate by the SEC, now partnered with Elon Musk. Could this project have just as much potential as XRP? Yeah. So recently I've, I've been noticing that although there was this idea that Ripple or Ripple and, and Stellar were, were different and that one was not a competitor to the, to the other, I'm beginning to see that XLM is actually a competition, more of a competition to Ripple than people anticipated or people thought. I think definitely Stellar um, is, is going after the market um, in, in the same sense of, of, of XRP. Now is Ripple moving in different directions with the custody and all that stuff definitely but i wouldn't i wouldn't phase out the idea of stellar being this completely different um use case to xrp i think they're more of a competition than people realize and jed mccaleb you know there's there's an analogy that we say there's something that we say in, in portuguese which is it's raining outside and he walks out and he's able to walk through the gaps of the rain and not get wet and so that's Jed McCaleb in a nutshell. He's been able to avoid all these different things that have been happening in the crypto space. And there he is. That partnership is huge. Um, we know that Elon Musk is an innovator. We know that he's planning to create this one platform, the X app. Uh, it begins with Twitter. It's going to migrate into payments at some point. And so the partnership with Stellar can certainly be a signal into potentially uh, the Stellar blockchain being utilized by, by Elon Musk's X app. And Johnny, I do slightly disagree with Mario. Mario says that they're competing. I think they're the same initiative. I think it's two sides of the same coin here. What they're really doing is they're bringing everybody into this tokenized asset market. And what does the World Economic Forum always tell us? This is going to be an interesting conversation, Johnny. What does the World Economic Forum always tell us? By 2030, you're going to own nothing, but you're going to be happy. In order to do so, they're going to take all of your assets and tokenize them onto a digital wallet. That's the future of the game, right? So Stellar playing a pivotal role here. It's no surprise to me. What do you think is really going on, Johnny? Do you have any rebuttal to Mario's statement? Ripple and Stellar, same team are competing. Well, it's a very interesting thing because you got to remember. So that man right there, Jeb, and the man, the CTO now, Swartz, and one other man, uh, his name slips my memory, created what we know today as XRP. So those three guys wrote the software actually before. Chris the, Larson. Yes. Uh, was it Larson? No. No, it's another guy. It was actual, uh, I can see the tip of my tongue. He was a developer. So the, the three guys wrote the code for what you see today as XRP. And then when Jed left, you know, he formed XLM and very, very similar in technology, very similar. And so could they duplicate and do the same thing? Yeah, they can. And so that's the question is, but how are they going to be used? You, you know, and who has the real relationships and, Who's, you know, and you hear that XRP is going to be the bank to bank coin and XLM will be the bank to consumer coin. And so maybe those are the roles they're going to play out. Who knows? Um, but at the end of the day, the technologies are very, very similar. If you actually go and use the technology, it's a similar thing. You're going to put in a, a key and you're going to put in a memo as well. Um, but so nonetheless, I, I think that it, it's I'm kind of in the middle there between the two of you. I think it can go either way. It's still hard to say. But with that, oh, yeah, that's it. Arthur Brito. Thank you, Nelson. Brito was the guy I was, that's the guy I was looking for. He's the Johnny, man. I want to get one more comment out of you before you run. This is some pretty, I guess, funny article this morning. Bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange FTX has begun talks to relaunch its international arm. I'm just going to skip the beat and the potatoes of this article. They're not even going to rename the company. They're just going to relaunch I mean, this thing as FTX. What do you think? I, I mean, I'm just completely baffled by the, 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 the uh, I hate to say the stupidity of people. If anybody goes and uses them again and something happens and, you know, it's on you at this point. I mean, you know, I, I just don't understand it, but they will. People will use it. New people coming into the industry. We're going to get a flood of people coming in the next bull and aren't going to really have known what the past history was. And they're going to hop into it. And FTX will probably, I don't know if it'll ever be as high as it ever was before, but it's just crazy. It's crazy to even think 
<laughs> that this is happening, Abs. But nonetheless, at a dollar, it might be a great, you know, kind of speculation by you just throw 200 bucks in there and just send it and forget it. And maybe it pops up. Who knows? It's just, it's just mind-boggling to me that they would relaunch it with exactly the same name. And, and they're not concerned. It just it just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make do you sense. think they're messing with us here? What do you think is really going on? I almost think to some degree it's like, hey, we don't care what you guys think. We're gonna do it again. I, I I don't know. It's just it's just it's just crazy to think that after what it's been through and, and the negative notation it has on the industry to go and relaunch it and bring it back alive. But maybe if I try to maybe if we think about the silver lighting is maybe like, hey, you know what? We flushed out all the bad people. We got rid of Sam. We got rid of the girlfriend. We got rid of all those bad people. And now here it is. We're bringing it back to life, you know, in a good form. But I personally wouldn't trust it or use it. Maybe that's what they're trying to do, but it just doesn't make sense. It would have made more sense to rebrand itself something different, but it is ballsy going out there with the same exact name. Mario, do you have plans to put your assets back on FTX? Well, they were never in FTX to begin with. And they definitely won't be going forward, but I don't think they will relaunch it as FTX. I think I did read that they do plan to rebrand, but either way, it, it still, it still mind boggles me. And to think that anybody is going to trust putting money in that platform, knowing that it used to be FTX. I mean, I know that the people, the bad people that were involved may be gone, but it's still, it's still mind boggling. I don't know as well. I was thinking, I was thinking about the, the fact of whether, they should be focusing on making people whole. You know, the people that had their money in FTX, have they been made whole? If they've got, if they've been able to take out the money that they had in there or the crypto that they had in there, that should be their focus and not necessarily trying to relaunch this, this failed uh, company. Yeah. All right. Love you guys. I got to go. So to all the warriors out there, love you. Appreciate you guys. Have a good rest of the show. Catch you guys tomorrow. Thank love you so you, much. Buddy. We love you, bro. We will see you tomorrow on the show. And guys, we got 350 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Jay Clayton was not the only SEC official firing back at Gary Gensler. Hester Pierce was also calling out the hypocrisy specifically by her own agency. Hester Pierce says the U.S. crypto law shouldn't assume that everything is a financial asset. The SEC commissioner discussed a possibility of a United States crypto framework, giving a reminder that not all use cases are financial for crypto. So pretty cool to see an SEC commissioner understanding what's going on here. Hester Pierce was asked how she would regulate crypto. She said, I think we have to make sure that whatever regulatory framework you have doesn't just assume that everything's a financial asset, Gary Gensler. That's useful in the financial context, but it's also useful in building social media platforms or whatever else. Any legal framework considered should take a reserved approach and include enough clarity to let people feel like they can try new things in the asset space. There's something to be said for not putting up a framework in place that is so inflexible it doesn't accommodate the new use cases of crypto and blockchain. In a seeming swipe at the SEC's current approach, the SEC commissioner said that the laws can't be reserved then. All of a sudden, regulators come out five years later with a bunch of enforcement actions. She's specifically talking about Ripple and XRP. She said the SEC can't work with someone for five years and then sue them after the fact. Unfortunately, that's exactly what happened, Mario. So what do you think? Yeah, the first thing that came to my mind is that at this point, the government doesn't really have to spend that much that much time and energy trying to figure out what these what these laws should be because there's so many examples out there throughout the world already. Most of the nations already have an understanding and already have regulation around crypto. The United States still does not. So it's not like they they have this completely new technology that they have to sit down and try to understand first then say, okay, how are we going to regulate it? They have an example. They have the other nations that they can fall back on and say, how is, how is England going about it? How is Europe going about it? How is the uh, Asia market going about it? So no, no excuse whatsoever for, for the U.S. to continue to be in this you know, rocking chair back and forth. Is it a security? Is it not a security? Should the SEC do it? Should the CFTC do it? it it's such a big joke when you look at it. But honestly, like I keep saying, there's got to be a reason behind it. There's a narrative. We just don't know what it is. But I really, these people aren't stupid. These people in power, they are not stupid. And so we will see eventually what, what it's all about. And the same people who are telling us that crypto assets may or may not be accepted are the ones responsible for having these conversations overseas. Hester Pierce is speaking with officials in, in England, in Australia, and even in Singapore, many of these regions that are adopting crypto. And this is an article out of MasterCard this morning. 
MasterCard is fully set to adopt crypto and blockchain assets in the years to come, putting trust at the center of the next digital asset cycle. Mario, there's a video I'd like to play for our listeners, and it has to do with the World Economics Forum initiative to get people into central bank digital currencies. We're going to play this brief clip and discuss it. Here we go. So if you, the one final note I will uh, make is that if you think about the benefits of digital money, there are huge potential gains. It's not just about uh, digital forms of physical currency. You can have programmability, you know, um, units of central bank currency with expiry dates. You could have, as I argue in my book, a potentially better, and yeah, some people might see it, or a darker world where the government decides that units of central bank money can be used to purchase some things, but not other things that it deems less desirable, like, say, ammunition or drugs or pornography or something of the sort. And that is very powerful in terms of the use of a CBDC, and I think also extremely dangerous for central banks. Because ultimately, if you have different units of central bank money, with different characteristics, or if you use central bank money as a conduit for economic policies in a very targeted way, or more broadly for social policies, that could really affect the integrity of central bank money and the integrity and independence of central banks. So Mario, he's describing it as a disadvantage, but I think a lot of these people see it as an advantage. They can decide what we should and shouldn't buy, but also they can assume what we what we need, right? They can decide what goods are necessary for survival and we can debate that. But what do you think about this? They're programming us for 2030. Do you agree? Yes, I agree. I mean, there's no doubt that um, CBDCs are going to come. There's no doubt that a completely digital form of money is going to be here. Although Gary Gensler says there's no need for digital currencies because the dollar is already digital. It is not as digital as they want it to be. And there's definitely going to be... um, there's definitely going to be the factor of this money now being completely traceable. They're going to be able to see what you're spending your dollars on. They're going to be able to see how you're spending it, what you're buying, what you're doing exactly with it. So the problem is we're at this crossroad where they can either take it in the direction because it's definitely going to be traceable, but they can either take it in the direction where we will continue to have somewhat freedom with it, or they could go down the route that I hope we don't go, which is what everybody keeps talking about of them utilizing it to create even more control of the people, like limiting what you can purchase or limiting um, how much money you can spend or forcing you to spend the money, forcing you to pump the economy. That's the route that I think is kind of dark. And it doesn't really get me excited when I hear all these different CBDC news, even though they could be blockchain tied. I know how much, um, how much restrictions is going to add to the to, to people's freedom and so therefore that part doesn't get me excited but i know and i am preparing for digital currency and it is ultimately going to give more control to the government but um abs what happened it was to be it was like a full house now it's just me and you i know it's just <laughs> us on this thursday that's why we're getting paid extra this morning mario and i'm only kidding we got 321 live listeners joining us check out this video we're going to close the show out on the misdirection is purposeful when it comes to crypto and here's why. Let's live through two world wars, German hyperinflation, the Great Depression, every pandemic, everything the world's ever thrown at it. And this will be no different when you realize that the most sophisticated money in the world is, has literally drained the exchanges of the majority of all the stockpiles of gold and silver. And, and, and you know, so they're front running because they know the playbook. They know what's coming. And that exactly. is why, even though it's frustrating to see the price behave the way that it has, I see a bigger picture. And the same way that you guys are able to see a bigger picture with XRP and Ripple, you see a bigger picture that others may not notice on the surface. And I think that's what your job is to do, is to help people understand what that bigger picture is. This is what my job is. And I'll simply say this, that as it pertains to metals, the price is being betrayed by the exodus and the accumulation by the most sophisticated money in the world. If price was completely indicative of value then who's draining the exchanges why are the central right. banks on a buying spree of 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 literally unparalleled um, uh, comparison and you know <clears throat> you have to ask yourself is this bigger than what the price would indicate and and that's why i talk a lot about misdirection about suppression and misdirection because it's not as straightforward as your eyes would lead you to believe you have to trust your gut and uh, I think this is one of those. And the same thing would be true with um, XRP and Ripley. You got to trust your gut. Yeah, your eyes show you things, but 
your gut tells you that this is bigger than what we are being led to believe. And you see right. reasons to, to talk about that. I think there's a lot of similarities in the way we look at the world. And definitely, um, you know, I admire that, that you guys. <laughs> Mario, that immediately reminds me of what we, sh- what we started off the show with. What does your gut tell you is really going on here? I trust my gut when it comes to Jay Clayton. I think he's been activated behind the scenes. The fact that he's pushing back against current regulation from the SEC, I think somebody much power, much more powerful than himself has given him the right to do so. So I guess just to close the show out, what do you think of this clip here? XRP obviously focused on a bigger picture. What are you focused on? Yeah, def- I, I agree with, with uh, what he stated there. I think that it would be foolish to not take advantage of the opportunity as far as XRP. Um, I think what my gut tells me is that XRP was chosen or Ripple was chosen, and therefore that's why it was attacked by the SEC. It's being utilized as what what will eventually be the crypto regulation. And just the same thing that happened to Amazon when it was sued by the SEC. What happened once that lawsuit uh, cleared up? The price of Amazon just shot up. And Amazon is still here. And Amazon is and continues to be and will continue to grow as one of the biggest companies in the world. So I think that Ripple has been the chosen one. But at the same time, I do want to say that it would be foolish of me to put all my eggs on that basket. I definitely think diversification is the best approach. Um, Putting all your eggs on the XRP basket, we don't know what the future holds. And although things do look a certain way, you just never know. So that's that's what I wanted to preface there. And to close this show out, guys, here's an update from Raul Paul, a former JP Morgan macroeconomic advisor, discussing how he thinks these markets could double or even triple in the next two years. So... What I think my hypothesis is, is that, okay, this is very observable. I think it's going to last this relationship between assets and the central bank balance sheet because of the mechanism of debasement of currency. And I can forecast out what the business cycle looks like. And I also know the amount of interest payments that need to be made because they they happened three and a half years ago. And I can see how far the balance sheet is going to expand. So the balance sheet right now is what, six and a half trillion dollars. And it looks like it will get $7 trillion or so. And it looks like it will get to 12 to $14 trillion by the end of 2025. So that puts, and there's a number of other ways I've proven this out in this whole thing. And I'll send you the whole piece uh, myself. I've not really gone public with all, all of the whole thing of how it works. But in the end, that puts asset prices massively higher than here. Hugely higher. Um, so we're looking at more than a doubling of the NASDAQ from here. We're looking at another gigantic crypto run. That's into 2025. If the NASDAQ doubles in price, Bitcoin is going to minimum do the exact same thing. We, Me and Johnny Crypto had a great conversation with Blockchain Backer when we were in Las Vegas. The number one thing he described to us that he thinks people underestimate is the relationship between the Bitcoin price chart and the NASDAQ price chart. So if we do see the NASDAQ break all-time highs, I guarantee Bitcoin would be quickly to follow. We also got the halving coming up next year. So Mario, what are you thinking? Do you agree with Raul Raul here? We could see asset prices double or triple by the end of 2025. I'm sure crypto would be benefiting. Yeah, I mean, taking that approach, I think he's uh, spot on with his theory. When we do go back to quantitative easing, um, we will see asset prices go up. It's just the nature of it. There's money being printed so the smart money is going to go to the assets that are going to be able to offset the inflation. And so I definitely could see that coming. Now, 2025 is fairly soon. I That part, I, you know, do I think that we will have another bull run? Yes, ultimately. But there's a part of me that also thinks history is about to repeat itself. And how many times are they going to continue to allow it to repeat itself and become so predictable? So, but, you know... If it repeated itself before, it will repeat itself again at some point. But 2025, to see that kind of price appreciation, I mean, that's huge for all of us. I hope so. When we talk about crazy price targets like $10, $13, or $25 on projects like XRP, you're going to need massive amounts of liquidity. But also, the tokenization of stocks, bonds, and real estates are going to play a huge role in this market going forward. And the blockchain backer seems to agree. This is very, very funny. He does believe that we could see a $10 to $13 price chart. 
And that's something we should all be excited about. But guys, we got 318 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Jackie. And thank you to Mario, the node defender himself. We're going to see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, get your shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us. Let's go.